0: Hey everybody, welcome to Artifice Episode 8, my interview with filmmaker and all-around creative marketing whiz Lance Lowry. Lance is a proud ally and LGBTI advocate who serves as the executive director of the Love Loud Foundation. Lance is also featured in the HBO documentary Believer alongside Dan Reynolds for his work as an organizer of the Love Loud Music Festival. In this episode, Lance and I talk about activism through creativity, money versus personal value, and the joy of creative collaboration. Okay, enjoy it. Sometimes art feels like magic, pure, visionary. And sometimes it's brought to you in part by focus groups and algorithms. And the makers of art are no different. We're creatives, sure, but we're also salespeople. We need imagination and imitation. We need deep, meaningful connections. But we also have to network. Yep, even if you're an introvert. And that's my point. Balancing vulnerability with veneer is tricky, and it's a struggle we don't often share. So let's share. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. This episode of Artifice is brought to you by Seedles. Seedles are rainbow bright balls of seed, compost, and clay that make growing wildflowers fun and easy. The team at Seedles wants to spread the word that growing wildflowers is the number one way to support bees. If you're anything like me, totally lacking a green thumb, you'll be glad to hear that Seedles has done the heavy lifting by designing their beautiful seed bombs to basically grow themselves. It's a gorgeously simple way to help our little pollinator buddies and work toward ensuring a sustainable food system for our future. Head to growtherainbow.com to see which Seedles will work best where you live and use promo code ARTIFICE, that's all caps A R T I F I C E for lucky 13% off your purchase today. It. Um, okay, so I, I'm, I'm glad you're here now because I'm getting a little bit better at this. I'm starting to feel more comfortable as an interviewer. Um, so I would like to start from the beginning and just talk about um, kind of like how creativity started to manifest itself for you like as a child. Um, presumably, maybe you weren't into film like right off the bat. So what were you up to? <laughs>
1: I, I was that kid who was obsessed with dinosaurs and the way my creativity would manifest. I'd say there's two main things. I would draw dinosaurs from a very, very young age. Um, I, I would never consider myself a great artist, but for my age, I was always yeah. a little too good at drawing a dinosaur that it yeah. was a little weird. Um, <laughs> And then I would also go out in my sandbox, and I would use water with the sand, and I would create little worlds. I'm sure most yeah. kids did that. Well, um,
0: I don't know about that. Well, but
1: I would. I would hope a lot of kids got to have that experience. That. Yeah. And I would. I'd, I'd play with my dinosaurs and my my Star Wars action figures and whatnot out there. And it was just kind of my my chance to create something that was in my head. Yeah. And was. that was. And I, this is actually the first. Moment where I'm actually reflecting on that, realizing that was probably where I got my start with being yeah. comfortable comfortable with trying to take things in my head and put them into real life,
0: yeah, and it's like that that very first kind of storytelling impulse, yeah
1: yeah that's that's a valid point i one I was always fascinated with stories uh when I was a kid, I read everything by <laughs> in the sixth grade. I read the Lord of the Rings trilogy six times. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like I, I, I just was obsessed with stories. I read everything. Um, I read the count of Monte Cristo, Cristo in elementary. I, I, yeah. just, I read so many books and stories cause I loved. I was like the that too as a stories. child. Yeah, yeah. I
0: was like lost in my imagination all the time. Um, yeah. In fact, I remember like I was in maybe like, like the fifth or sixth grade and I went through this like phase with my parents where they would like ground me from reading. (laughs) We had like, we had just moved to like a new neighborhood and they would like literally take my books and like lock them somewhere and be like, you have to go play with other kids. Um, it just made me want to read more. Um, it was like my little contraband. That's so Um, funny. But yeah, I, I had like, you know my school library wasn't like that extensive but like i had read like everything in the like sci- sci-fi and fantasy like category and then i was like i guess i read jane austen now
1: that's so Cause, funny cuz uh,
0: i ran out of the fantasy, of, of the fantasy and sci-fi <laughs> um
1: that's hilarious
0: so so then what happened so like i'd love to know kind of just like what's pivotal for you in terms of like creativity um, between like your child and you're playing with your action figures and your dinosaurs and like maybe starting to think about pursuing film as a profession. Um, What's important in there?
1: So I, I, I'm just a firm believer that being creative and creating is good for you. Yeah. Regardless of what you are creating. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I, I think it, well, there's, there's a number of studies that would show how healthy it is for your brain. Yeah. But I think it also is, it, it helps you gain confidence. Mm-hmm. And I, as I look at my growing up, like say through to the point of like graduating high school, uh, being creative was one of, uh, I, I would say that was one of the, the most formative aspects of my life to yeah. creating my personality because I would just find ways to create. And it wasn't that I was like, oh, I'm going to make something. It yeah. just kind of came who I was. And that that made me a much more helpful person in society, I think, because mm. I was always finding things like, oh, um, I could help someone because say maybe they needed a, a design for a t-shirt. Yeah, I would say, I'm going to learn how to create that. And I would make something for someone or uh, somebody needed uh, an event to, to raise money for a charity. Mm. I would say, well, I'm going to learn how to, create an event and create an experience and tell a story in that way. And so uh, my whole life just kind of became about, about creating. And then I, I began to find different mediums that I was, better at than yeah. others um i learned that you know i i loved drawing and i still do yeah but I, i'm my skill level is not that a, of i have an a similar <laughs> experience
0: with drawing i was like this is fun and but no not yeah yeah it's still fun and i love and i still do yeah, it i painted a lot. those a few days ago there to hang is there to hang there beautiful
1: little flowers
0: yeah i'm working on it. i'm trying i'm trying watercoloring i used to draw dragons though because yeah. of course i did of course, because I was reading all those fantasy yes. novels.
1: I also think that like <laughs> dragons and dinosaurs and all of that are easier because you don't have to do fur.
0: Mm. Hmm. I never thought about I, that. I just didn't want to draw people.
1: Yeah. Oh no.
0: But yeah, I drew. I drew a lot of like uh, mermaids and a <laughs> lot
1: of <dragons>. Mer- I, <laughs> mermaids and dragons. There you uh, go. I That's guess mermaids world.
0: are people, but you know, but I but I like to draw the hair, so it obscured. I just had to draw like eyes. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. Eyes are fun to draw. I feel like for a lot of people, learning to draw eyes, like, because there's always that one project in class, Mm -hmm. at least in a drawing class, where you learn about drawing the eye. And that's so fascinating.
0: Yeah, but noses, how Uh do you do it? No
1: one, noses are hard. And then mouths and teeth, like, teeth Mm -hmm. usually look pretty atrocious. Like,
0: yeah, I mean, if you're going to draw a mouth, it's for me anyway, if I have to draw a mouth, I'm drawing like one line for a top lip. And then like a a non a non connecting line for the bottom lip. Totally. That's the only. That's it. (laughs) That's as much as I can manage. That's fair. And a nose is like implied somehow, you know. Yes. (laughs) Because I don't know how to handle depth. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. uh, Dinosaurs are always easier. Dinosaurs Mm. and dragons. Actually, fun funny story about drawing dragons in sixth grade. I went to Draper Elementary. We were the Draper Dragons. Awesome. Very convenient. They held a contest to see who uh, they wanted to do a new Draper Dragons t-shirt. And so people could draw their version of Dewey the Dragon. Um. I don't know how many people entered. I don't think very many did, but I had like 20 different entries <laughs> awesome. and uh, they selected <laughs> one of mine and I won. Uh, but they're like, we need to make a, a slight adjustment to it. It had this big slobbery tongue. And it was just like ferocious. And they're like, mm. we're going to get rid of the slobber and the tongue and we're going to add fire. And I was like, okay, that's cool. But it was just like kind of funny that I was drawing these big ferocious dinosaurs <laughs> and then it was made on a t-shirt. And for that year, it was the Draper Dragons that's logo. Awesome. <laughs> that's
0: awesome. That's got to feel like. That, that, that would have made me feel important.
1: Yeah, it was, that was pretty fun. I, I felt very accomplished. I, uh, that was probably the thing I was most proud of for my, a huge portion of my life.
0: <laughs> Doing that t-shirt. Yeah. I did a couple of t-shirt designs for, um, like giant family reunions. Oh yes. T- two, two t-shirt designs that I felt pretty proud of, but not a whole school. You know, my family is almost as big as a small school. But, um, okay. So I heard you talking about like, it seemed like maybe some, a lot of your creative motivation was like problem solving. Yes. So, um, I think that's really interesting. And one of my kind of like theories about how creative people like have sustainable careers and like maybe what's the difference between like the starving artist and the functioning artist or, you know, financially functioning artist, um, is maybe that you can apply creativity to problem solving and kind of like show up for the problem. Um, but I'm positive that you also had experiences where you were creating things that were not solving a problem that were just, so, I mean, I don't know if I have a question per se, but do you have thoughts about kind of which is which and whether they're different types of creativity or whether they like, you know, inhabit a different part of your personality
1: yeah, that's interesting. I've never fully thought about that, but it makes a lot of sense as I'm thinking about it right now. So, with my 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 career currently, where I'm running a nonprofit foundation, where we 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 put on a music festival, that has a lot of very obvious creative aspects mm-hmm. from designing merchandise to messaging uh, to to video content to the, designing the experience yeah. in, 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 in the festival, uh, that right there is a lot of the more obvious creativity. But when I think about it, I'm, I, I've also had to apply that to a, 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 number of other areas when I'm working with, with sponsors and brands, mm. uh, there's a lot of creative problem solving that comes into that. That is, you may not usually think of areas like that where you would require creativity but it de- it certainly has and um i'm i'm realizing that i i take a very creative approach to almost everything yeah. and that helps me uh not get very rarely do i feel boxed in mm. to scenarios mm-hmm. or or trapped that's a very rare feeling for me and i think because i am when like the idea of when one door closes, um, another one opens. For me, it's like when one door closes, draw another door.
0: No, Uh, I feel the same way. Like I always hear people talking about like job opportunities and I'm like, I don't understand. Just make it, just make it, just do the thing. Um, You know, I think I sometimes feel like I get tired of always being like the project creator. Um, But ultimately like, I really like I like kind of knowing or having this idea that like I can steer, you know. Like you said, draw a door. If there's something that I want to make happen, I I feel like I can usually do it, you know. And I, I like doing it. Sometimes I think it's exhausting to like always be like trying to think of what that next thing might be. But yeah, I I really relate to that. Go ahead.
1: I, I feel like sometimes it would be easier in life to like maybe give up on something and like, uh, just, you know, call it quits on one area and say, all right, this, I've, I've done enough right here. I'm going to like, the door's closed. I'm going to start yeah. somewhere else. And maybe it's the, the stubbornness in me, but I, I don't really mm-hmm. let that happen very often. And, yeah. and sometimes I can, that's a weakness, but other times I think, uh, it, it can be a strength to creatively say like, no, there's, there there's is a way. Be a way. And so yeah. sometimes just, f- Figuring it out yeah. and putting in the work and
0: being resourceful. Yeah, totally. Just thinking like, who do I know? What services can I provide? Like, what can I do? Yeah. Um. Okay. So, tell me about how you got into film. Um, like, how did that interest begin, and how did you start building your skill set?
1: I I started off as a, I I loved, well, I loved storytelling, and uh, in my my senior year of high school there, uh, I was fortunate enough to be the the student body president. And at the end of the year there's the new student body president, the new student body officers that get elected. And there's like a assembly type thing Mm. that we have. And we play, there's usually a, a video played that kind of transitions between the two. Cool. And me and my friend, uh, Parker Walbeck, we said we wanted, we wanted to go all out on telling a story. And we made a full like forty five minute long Oh my gosh. Uh, sort of like a spoof of Survivor type thing that was a lot of storytelling is really what yeah. it was. And it was a we had this like little like um camcorder type thing that yeah. we were using where you have like the little knob for the zoom in and zoom out, the oh flip the camera everything. But we, we did it and I just taught myself how to edit. Yeah. And uh, we we told a story in that and that was I remember how fun it was Mm. and then fast forward a couple years later when I was in college uh my friend Parker was was also at school with me and he was uh, fascinated with a YouTuber that he had been following that was making a lot of cool videos and he said he wanted to Mm. to learn to do videos and so I just kind of started producing for him yeah and setting up uh the shoots and I, I found a little bit of a knack for that and it, yeah. and it was fun and it was just creating opportunities to tell a story and to, um, and then document it. Yeah. And, uh, it was, it was really fun to play around with cameras and just try to tell stories. And then before long, um, we were making, we were making commercials for my university and we were making commercials for bureaus of tourism and, cool. and music videos yeah. and things like that. And it, it, and it never was because I said I want to. Right. I want to do this. I just you just started, started doing, doing it and, and and ran with it and and so for a, a a good chunk of my life that was that was my main endeavor and I loved it. Yeah. And it was and it was a lot of fun and it opened doors for me to build relationships with people and it opened doors for me to find other areas mm-hmm. of creative outlet. I learned yeah. uh, to love graphic design from there. Yeah. And I learned to. Um, it, 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 an interesting thing is, I, I mean, being an event planner, it, it changed the way I, I planned events because yeah. I needed to make sure that the the user experience of the event was great, but also that it, it could be documented right. so that I could retell right. the story You're of that. Right, seeing
0: it through like that type of a lens, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> so what were you studying in school?
1: I I originally was studying marketing, and then I was talking to a bunch of my friends who had graduated in marketing and they were explaining how a lot of the marketing jobs they wanted, they were actually losing them to people with communications degrees, yeah. which hmm. was kind of like yeah. interesting. I was like, okay, well, I don't, I don't care what my piece of paper says, right. what yeah. what are going to give me the best skills? And so I switched over to strategic communication, which cool. at that time was not a very common degree. But um it's not more common, but it's just advertising and public relations in the same degree. And that's essentially what marketing is. Yeah. And so I, I switched over and I started studying that and I cared more about that aspect, the mm-hmm. creative yeah. side of marketing than I did about the numbers and sure. and all of that stuff. So switching from the business school to um the communications department was actually one of the best decisions A good for me.
0: choice. So when you started college, when you like were picking your major, um, did you were you kind of like seeing yourself as like a, a creative professional already? Or were you kind of just like, you know, one foot in front of the other, like not totally sure? I mean, we're never totally sure, but uh, how are you thinking yes,
1: of it? I, then? I was hoping I was gonna be doing something creative. Um, I think I think here in Utah a lot of this is based off of my experience with my my friend group and and the people I've surrounded myself with. A lot of us are just taught, we got to go to school and we just got to study business management Mm -hmm. or, or, or marketing, whatever, because we're going to be in business and it's never very specific.
0: Totally. And, but it's just, that's what you do. It weirds me out when people talk about business, like it's somehow a more practical choice. I always think like, what is business? You know, like if you have like a, if you have like a music degree, but you have tons of business experience, like, okay, I'm I'm not saying it's exactly the same type of an outcome, but like it's no less nebulous I think totally um and it's it's still a degree that's all about like hustling you know I'm always baffled when people act like it's such a different choice um and I t- I tend to agree with you like businesses want to hire people who are creative you know we know that's true yeah so so you maybe you were kind of you were trying to put your eggs in like a basket that was big enough that you had plenty of room
1: yeah, totally, and i and I learned an important lesson about myself. I went out and did summer cells like every guy in Utah does at one point, mm-hmm. point. and uh, I discovered a couple things. one of them, I was really good at it, um, and it was very easy for me to make a lot of money, and number two, I didn't care. About making money. Mm. And that was a very interesting thing for me. So, I mean, it was only after a couple of weeks before I was kind of like, I've earned enough to pay for my summer living here in New York. I'm going to kind of be done selling. You did
0: summer sales in New York? Yeah. That's intense. I've never heard of anybody going there. We we were on Long
1: Island, but uh, just, uh, I spent a lot of, (laughs) way more time in Manhattan than I probably should have. (laughs) But uh, I I just, I, I learned that I don't, that that was not i shouldn't say i don't care about money but that was never a motivating it wasn't factor like for the me was drive it yeah wasn't so i realized like factor. okay like this is the only reason i kept doing it was because i enjoyed meeting people mm-hmm. yeah but after a while i was like eh, like i don't this doesn't this do, i'm not motivated by this yeah um and for some people maybe you might look at that as lazy like no i should have just figured it out yeah. but for me it was an important learning experience because i realized i needed to do things that i i i, I felt motivated yeah. to do that. I found value in, yeah. I didn't find value in giving someone yeah. pest control or alarm systems.
0: Yeah. You need to kind of stay in your integrity. I think about that sometimes too, because I feel like there are things about, there are things about my career that are like amazing that I would trade for nothing. And there are things about my career that I think are hard. Um, and every once in a while I, 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 you know, kind of like step back and like reevaluate, and I always just come back to the same idea. Like I would be less productive, you know, like I would rather like work maybe more hours and have my income be like a little bit less direct. Um, than have like a very clear like hours to pay.
1: No, that's, that's it, so true. I
0: would get less and less productive. Like every day
1: I, I look at, um, after we started uh, Love Loud, and I, I, as I look back at the, the amount of hours we would spend, I, I can't even count how many months were uh, filled with 100-hour work weeks mm-hmm. easily, yeah. and, and sometimes even more than that, which is just crazy to look back and say, you know, we slept for three hours and then worked again and slept for three hours. Mm-hmm. That's how it was, like, every day for weeks on end. But to me, that was far more fulfilling than... Um, far more fulfilling than when I was working 40 hours a week doing yeah. something I didn't really care about. And those 40 hours a week were way more tiring on me yeah. than the 100 hours a week about something that I loved and something I would choose to be doing Absolutely. anyways.
0: I totally agree. Um, so when you you started doing, okay, you switched your major and you were doing more film. Um, how did you kind of s- start to like... Make the decision or see yourself going down like, like a like an art path or like a, like a yeah. cre- like a capital C creative path.
1: <laughs> I, uh, I started doing a lot of music videos. I mean, y- you and I did one together, and I started doing a, a lot of video work for uh, one band in, in particular that was, that was based in Utah. And in doing that, I found that there was a lot of aspects to the music industry that motivated me creatively Mm -hmm. and I've always been really into music. It's Mm -hmm. been my, one of my biggest passions. And, uh, I've, I've always written music like a couple songs a week type thing. None of them are very good by any means, but it's more of just, it's just the, the creative process. I enjoy, um, releasing my emotions through a pen in that way. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of my, my form of journaling, but I, I love doing that. Um, my bands were never any good, but I, but I really enjoyed it. And then by working with, um, uh, a local band here, they're called foreign figures. I, I started finding opportunity to, uh, help them with marketing or, yeah. or maybe design or, you know, how do we make some shows happen and use my, uh, event management experience to work with them. And I just found myself kind of engaged in all creative aspects yeah. of, um, a brand. Yeah. In this case, it was a band, but all creative aspects of that that um brand, and that really prepared me for uh, the opportunities I'd be given with uh, working with Dan Reynolds of Imagine Dragons and working in in creating Love Loud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that wouldn't have happened if I didn't have was didn't have that opportunity that kind of prior. Like holistic brand experience of just like let's just. Yeah use Mm -hmm. my creative skills in every aspect and, and find a way to make it work
0: yeah that's awesome okay so before we talk about like how you're getting from like you know working a lot with foreign figures to like where you are now um I I like to talk to people I feel like I feel like lots of times artists have like you know, we have like our, the stuff that we work through, like, you know, it's different for all of us. Um, maybe some, I've met a few people that like truly don't have like art baggage or anything like that. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, the, the public or our fans or, you know, whoever our, our students, um, they're looking at like our fully formed skills, which of course we're not thinking of as fully formed, but they're looking at kind of where we are now and they're thinking like, you know, he was always like that Um, and not kind of like piecing together like some of the times that it was a struggle. So are there any stories that you want to tell or maybe not even stories, but just do you have like experiences you want to share about like the things that were kind of difficult or maybe they don't have to be difficult, but just kind of important in your you know, yeah. maybe less in your skills and more kind of in your like, who am I? What am I doing? Can I do this?
1: Yeah. Um, the, the biggest one that pops out to me was in the summer of 2017, actually. I, um, I was working uh, for for Dan Reynolds and was living down in Las Vegas and trying to create um, this idea he had of Love Loud and we were working on it, trying to build, bring a music festival to, at that point, Provo. And um, talking about cl- doors that are closing, pretty much every door kept closing. Mm. And um, the, whole, the whole motivating factor behind uh, Dan wanting to do Love Loud was learning about the massive... Um, statistics in Utah surrounding teen suicide yeah, and a lot of that having to do with the LGBTQ community and realizing like he had to make a difference in that. And so Mm -hmm. we were just motivated, like we have to, kids' lives need to be saved. Um, But we just kept having so many doors closing. And uh, we had just found out that our venue wasn't going to work anymore Mm -hmm. due to some parking issues. And we weren't going to be able to we were going to have to our, our production company was going to have to to back out because um we were running out of time and and money and things like that it wasn't going to make a lot of sense so like literally we we'd kind of lost everything all we had was Dan's passion and his music that yeah. that was everything else had kind of fallen away um and then my brother took his life in Provo and that was just another yeah, thing that at just all it was just like how is all of this happening? Like, this is what we're trying to prevent. Um, And it was, it was, it was, I can't even express how difficult it was, but I was able to then take that and say like, no mom should feel the way my mom feels and like use that motivation to say, we're going to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we, we were, we got relentless. Um, yeah. It so lit a scrappy. fire under myself, under our team, under Dan. And we were just like, we are going to do this. We yeah. will do this. And, uh, we got scrappy, we figured some things out and, the, and then we did it. Yeah. And, and, and we're at a point now where we're reaching millions of people around the world. And are you
0: coming? Are you, is this going to be the fourth one?
1: This will be the, the, the third one. The third one. Okay. Yeah. The third one. And, uh, it's, it's crazy. We've raised millions of dollars. We've reached millions of people. We, we have a, a movie on, yeah. on HBO and I can, at least my influence, I can trace directly back to to having to go through mm. the experience of losing my brother and going through that traumatic period because that is what was the final point of of, of teaching me you, there's no giving up. Yeah. You, you cannot, There no isn't an option. You yeah. have to find a solution, like my back totally against the wall. And because of that, it, it, it's kind of seeped into... Um, my entire identity as a person now. Yeah. I think it's it seeped into the identity of Love Loud, yeah. even of yeah, just absolutely. like we, we figure it out, we find a way. And, and so I'm, I'm really grateful for that. I mean, I never wished I would have had to go through that. I don't wish that upon anyone, but I do hope that the trauma that we do all experience inevitably, yeah. I hope that we, as many of us as possible, are able to find ways to turn that drama and turn that pain into an example, into a learning lesson. Yeah. And into a tool that we can then use to do more good. Yeah. And it's it's I don't I, I, I it's hard to speculate the amount of good that that Love Loud has done, um, other than just like statistics and things like that. Yeah. But I, I would like to say that a lot of good has been done and I can trace that directly back At least my my influence directly back to my brother dying. So it's there. There's a direct link between good being done and pain and trauma.
0: Yeah, I think that it has made like a a huge difference to like just I don't know, kind of like the awareness. It's and I I think you're right that like it's it's kind of like the packaging and the brand that really, like, it makes it accessible to maybe some people who wouldn't see it otherwise. Um, I want to maybe ask you, like, I, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Um, I want to talk about, like, how how you got started with Love Loud. But before that, um, did you have, like, what, what kind of, like, cr- support did you have for your creativity as, like, like a younger person.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's an important thing. Um, I was always, it's, it's actually kind of interesting for me to, to look at how much I took my growing up years and my upbringing for granted. Mm. And, uh, my parents were always just so supportive of Me being me, like who you are, yeah, and just like you, you want to be weird and you, you want to be learning to speak elvish, yeah, cool, you do, you You want to, uh, you want to read Lord of the Rings, you want to draw,
0: they didn't lock your books up, like, no, no, you want to
1: read all these books, (laughs) okay, go ahead and read them. Um, you want to join the wrestling team, hey, you join the wrestling, like, and it was just, I was always so supported. To be myself and to kind of explore myself in that way. Yeah. That it allowed me to be very self aware and to know who I was at a pretty young age. Yeah. That a lot of I have friends who never really got that freedom. Yeah. And so they've never taken that, even to this day, that they're 30 years old or or older and they don't really know themselves. Yeah. And so I'm I'm, I'm very grateful that my parents always supported me to be creative. And um, I can also, I think part of that has to do with, um, we growing up, we, we didn't have a lot of money Mm -hmm. and, um, and so we got very creative with the fun we would have. Yeah. And, um, I, I I look back at birthdays. Um, we couldn't afford to go buy a birthday cake for someone. So we, we made a cake and we put frosting on it and we would, we would get a plastic cup and put it upside down and we'd put frosting over it and it became a volcano on the cake yeah. and we put dinosaur, like we were just always creating yeah, things. you
0: just had to rely on your imagination. Yeah, more.
1: And, and, and and that really, uh, I, I think s- seeped into me and all of my siblings, all of us, yeah. that creating is is ex- expected. It's a virtue. Yeah, it's like, this district. is really cool. Like go out yeah. and create. And yeah. um, I, I, I don't think that any of us any of my siblings were like masters in any field. I really don't think we are, Yeah. but we just like to create and that, yeah that seeps into business or to totally. anything.
0: This is something I've been thinking about just in the last couple of days. You know, I, I teach a lot and I, I sometimes have these interactions with parents of, you know, young kids or kind of young teenagers and the parents are, they're like, now listen, I don't know if I want her to work on this cause she's not really good at it. And I cannot understand that kind of mentality um, because I also just feel like that creativity, like, or even just the impulse, like the desire is enough. Like that's the thing that matters. And like, you know, I think it's I think it's quite rare and I feel like you'll probably agree that a child is like some kind of a prodigy or that you see this like amazing talent in one place in a child. We just see like a, a little spark and we see like, you know kind of feeling around and i think it's so important to like just let children explore their creativity um it's very rarely i think going to land in a way that like you could anticipate looking at like that 8 year old
1: totally i i think that we often lose sight of the purpose of the creative process yeah and it's very easy to to think that the the, the product, product we're creating yeah. is is the purpose of it, right. but it, it's not. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a byproduct. Yeah, the, the 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 actual product of of creating something is the create is the process. Right.
0: You're stretching that muscle. Yes, like yeah, your kid's not going to be Whitney Houston. Great, no one's is because there she's was learning, one of her.
1: She, yeah, exactly. But she's learning confidence. To yeah. sing. and she's learning how to express her emotions totally. in a particular way. And she way. might
0: apply that to music in some way, she might apply that to science. You know, I just, but yeah, I feel so strongly that like it's not about like what um, particular mediums or, you know, types of creativity you see, but just you gotta just like like nurture that thing.
1: Totally. I, I look at when I was growing up and I'll go back and read some of the music I wrote. Oh, it was so bad, <laughs> but... I was learning to express my emotions, yeah. and then I think something I'm I'm not super bad at is I'm able to express my emotions, yeah. and that that goes and blesses my uh, my relationships yeah. professionally or, yeah. or personally because I learned how to put pen to paper and yeah. write. My emotions that way. I then can, you know, express myself to a loved one or to a coworker yeah. or, or an employee, whatever it may Absolutely. be, and I can directly trace some of that back to writing really bad songs.
0: Well, I also think like you have to learn how to write bad stuff. You know, you have to learn how to make stuff that sucks. If you aren't comfortable, like if you haven't practiced making stuff that sucks, you don't get to make stuff that's great.
1: Totally. You
0: and when and I don't know how you feel now, but. Like if I'm writing something now, it doesn't start off great. Everything starts off sucking. Like that's but that's just the beginning. It's a draft. It's like, you know, but you have to like you have to get so comfortable with like going through that thing that you're like, this might be nothing. There's a good chance this totally. is nothing. Um okay, so let's hear the story about like how you started like how you got involved with the Love Lab project.
1: So I was I was in the studio in in Orem Utah with uh, with the band Foreign Figures and I got a uh, uh, a phone call from a number I didn't recognize so I didn't answer of course um, uh, and then I got a text like saying Hey this is Dan Reynolds of Imagine Dragons uh, could you give me a call and you were like and oh, I um, looked at right around <laughs> I'm like okay guys look at this text like what
0: and you hadn't like you had no idea how he got your number
1: so. Um, so Dan, the the band is based in Las Vegas, where um, my family, my extended family, my mom's side is all from. We're okay. like one of the only ones that don't live in Vegas. Uh, so Dan's older brother, Mac, is the manager of the band. And Mac uh, was good friends with, or still is good friends with my cousin, Wesley. Okay. And so uh, Dan was looking for a personal assistant. And he, mm. so his manager was asking people, he asked my cousin, and then um, my cousin Wesley was like, Hey, you should actually give Lance a call. And, uh, I had never been an, an assistant, uh, yeah. before. Um, but I was, uh, scrappy yeah, you had and, and whatnot. And I just, I had that skills and I was, I was willing to, I, I found solutions. yeah, Um, and, and Dan gave me a call. It was on a Thursday night. Um, I don't think I told him I was in Utah. I think he thought I was in Vegas, and I was like, "Yeah, okay, I'll meet you tomorrow morning." I drove through the night. I'd even go home and pack. I just I stopped in Cedar City at a Walmart to get like a toothbrush and stuff, (laughs) and then drove down there. was was spent Friday um, with with he and his family, and it was uh, it was a very cool experience for me. I remember I pulled up to you know this rock star, uh, um, Grammy Award winning rock star's house, and it was a small, very very humble home with a minivan in the driveway. Wow, and I remember thinking. Hey. this is the type of person because yeah. honestly, the whole drive down, I was like, I'm not going to take this job, but I'm going to go there. Yeah. And I, it well, I was when I pulled up that's
0: like kind of a special thing. Just like that little sentence yes. you just said that even though you didn't know you, you were open enough to that, even just like the possibility of an opportunity. Totally. I don't think that's common. I don't think a lot of people mm-hmm. do that.
1: Maybe I, it's just me. I just always say I'm a very much a yes person. Like, I'll oh, try it out. Sure. I
0: think that's special. I think that's great. <laughs> Thank you. So, okay. So what happened?
1: So then I, yeah, I drove all the way down there spent the day with he and his family. And I realized like, um, th- it wasn't just, Oh, this is someone I could work for. It was, yeah, this is the type of person I want to spend my time yeah. around. This is the time. And the- it was really, it it was really impactful for me. And then I, then drove back that Friday night uh, packed Saturday and was in Vegas by Sunday. Yeah. And like, wow. I just, I just said, let's, let's do it. Yeah. Um, lucky for me, my grandparents lived there and they were, my grandpa let me, uh, to live at his house. So like yeah. I, I was able to make a, a, a quick decision like that. Mm. Um, and then almost immediately we started working on Dan explained to me this idea he yeah. had and how he had just gotten back from going to Utah and to down to LA is he, f-
0: is he from Utah?
1: No, the band, when he was uh, up here for school, the band got started in Provo. Okay. And they did shows at like the okay. well, and Well, I and- knew
0: that um, my husband used to play with Andrew Tolman, yeah. who was in the band at the beginning. So, yeah. But I wasn't sure if they were all here at some point. So, okay, so he yeah. was up here for school.
1: Yeah, up, up here for school and they were they were playing stuff and then they won. It was a it was a battle of the bands or something like that which they were able to I think they got maybe it was like $2,000. Might have even been less, but enough that they're like, "Okay, we can move the band to Vegas now." And so they yeah. went down there and wow. they they're pursuing it and then the, that's where they they kept going. But uh so I was able to go down there and live with him and, and or live live in Vegas and
0: Where I interrupted you, he had come up here He oh yeah he just
1: got done from that from doing this trip it was essentially kind of like a listening tour of going he visited places like in Circle Mm. and in Provo and learned why does this place exist what does it do Um, why is it necessary and just really listen because he he knew he wanted to make a difference but it's important for us to to listen yeah Um, I think that's one of the most important qualities of an ally. Is Mm -hmm. someone who listens and just instead of assuming we know someone's story or why someone hurts, you do
0: not know. Yes, exactly. And so
1: just listening, and and he was been he's been a very good example to me in that regard. Of he he goes out and he listens and he learns. Um, and so he explained this to me and said, "All right, this is kind of what I want to do." And then, um, and he he told me he's like, "If we're just gonna play in a park, maybe I don't even care. Let's do something." And then we just. We just ran with it, and we we worked and worked, and somehow through all of our successes and our failures, wound up doing the first love loud at at uh, Utah Valley University in there yeah. in the Brent Brent Brown Ballpark, and almost twenty thousand people came. Wow! And it was just it was crazy to me, and, and the LDS Church released an official endorsement yeah, of the festival, which was just it's a huge deal. And it was the first time they'd ever used the words LGBTQ they never said that. It was wow. always same sex attraction. So like yeah. that was kind of cool to realize like, okay, like this is people are listening. And then
0: it's making me get like a little weepy. That's like, it was, that's so important.
1: It was, it was so cool. And it, and it was important because the, the people are, we have a lot of different privileges. All of us do different privileges from others. Mm-hmm. And it's important for us to recognize what we know and what we don't know. And then mm. to try to listen and learn about those things we don't know. And yeah. as I've done that more, I just realized there's a there's a big need for more love in, in the Utah community. Because ages 10 to 24 shouldn't have suicide as a leading cause of death. Yeah, There is something wrong something here. Wrong. Yeah. And, um, and I don't think that fingers need to be pointed, but we need to talk about it. Yeah. And we need to get better. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's a number of factors and I, I yeah. it's not just one thing, but, um, then within the LGBTQ community, um, uh, a teen who is not accepted by their home or family is then eight times yeah. more likely to die by suicide. So you add already that it's the leading cause of death and then you yeah. can add an eight times. If parents knew that it would change the way they respond when their kids come out. Yeah. They wouldn't kick them out on the streets. Um, We wouldn't have uh, 40% of our homeless youth being LGBTQ. Yeah. That's, 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 it's sickening. It's staggering. And so, like, it, it, um, Love Loud has provided an opportunity for us to hopefully bring people together to listen and for some people to share their stories. And it's, it's, it's working in, in a number of ways because, uh, this last festival this summer, we had, um, we, we filled a football stadium in, yeah. in Salt Lake city and 7.4 million people watched it from around the world. Yeah. That's t- in Salt Lake city, like a little, little yeah, concert yeah, yeah. in Salt Lake. That many people watched it and cared. And, uh, we had, I mean, AT&T, a massive company sponsor it and help bankroll it and help make it happen and Tim Cook from Apple like wow. one of the most innovative companies ever take the stage and 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 talk to our youth um which is really powerful and it 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 made me realize that people are waking up and are becoming less okay with um just going along with yeah. the the status quo and being realizing that we need to we need to think about these issues for ourselves and then we need to talk about them and have Absolutely. dialogue. I'm a firm believer that people are inherently good. Yeah. And whether or not that's true, it's what I believe. And and I believe that when we get people together to have honest conversation about anything, yeah, eventually we come to the correct conclusion. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of one of my personal hopes with Love Loud is that if we can bring people together who are good and we can talk and we can listen. And try to understand, we're gonna wind up with a um, mm-hmm. a better society and, and some solutions.
0: I totally agree. Yeah, I feel I feel similarly about people. I like. I feel like I, I. I was listening to this other podcast one time. and This woman described herself. I cannot remember who it was, but she described herself as being someone who like falls in love with everyone. And I was like, that's what I do. Like, I just will like. I will like love people so much. And like, remember like little weird things. Cause I also just, I feel like people are just like, so it's such a big, it's such a big thing to be a person, you know? Yeah. Um, I feel, I feel also strongly about that and that's awesome. Um, I'm having like kind of a weird question maybe, which is you, you seem to be a person that like really invests in people, like kind of like individuals. And maybe I'm just perceiving this, but it seems like you kind of, um, you, you have like these like soulmate people. Um, how, how do you, do you feel like it's the kind of thing where like you're just open and it's like, you'll kind of, um, invest in like who comes to you or, or like, do you kind of feel like you're going through your life, like looking for those soulmate people?
1: Um, I think it's both. I'm always looking, um, because I, from my experience, there's a lot of incredible things that pass us by because we weren't looking. So Mm -hmm. I, I definitely am always looking, but a number of the most influential, um, people in my life that I would consider like my my soul brothers and sisters yeah. that are like my, that I stand shoulder to shoulder with on things. Yeah. They, uh, some of them have just kind of come into my life yeah. in the most random of ways. But because I'm looking, I'm able to recognize yeah. and say, oh, like, I need to hold on to this person yeah. because either, okay, maybe they make me better. Or maybe this person gives me an opportunity to help them because Mm -hmm. I, and I'm always looking for those opportunities or, Hey, maybe I need to hold on to this person because together we can do something that we can't do not together. And, um, it's, it's been amazing to see how many people like that have come into my life and like how many people are a a yin to my yang in different, very, very different areas. And so I try to, um, I try to surround myself with as many yeah. of those yin and yang type um, personalities and souls because the more of them I have around me, the more my weaknesses get covered by their strengths, mm-hmm. and the more that my strengths are able to be amplified yeah. and able to do more good.
0: Absolutely, and I am sure you like you discover things by yourself. You stretch in new ways. Um, have you ever done any like significant projects like alone? or do you feel like you like are an inherent like creator in pairs and groups
1: um there there have been some things that i've started to go alone that i could have done in all honesty but i i don't like it as yeah. much i i um i find myself often making my life more difficult because I want to include other people because I really, really like that. Mm -hmm. I love bouncing ideas off of each other. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy that. And, um, there'll be times where I'll use like graphic design for, for an example. I'll I'll be doing, uh, have a graphic design opportunity come my way and I very much can do it on my own, but it's for me, it's not, the product that matters it's yeah. the process right. so I'll include someone else and um I I just thoroughly enjoy that aspect yeah. of it even though it makes it messier yeah. sometimes sure. and it gets conf- like there it, it brings in so many more factors yeah but I like that yeah. process I think more that's great. so I kind of I yeah. force myself to go through that process yeah. and I know for some people that I work with that could maybe be annoying because mm uh, they want to do, they like to do something on their own. Maybe yeah. at certain, or they want me to do something on my own, but I just yeah. automatically am so collaborative. Yeah.
0: That I, I, think, I
1: kind of just force it.
0: I think that's awesome. I'm very, I support it. Um, do you want to talk about money? Like, sure. Yeah. Okay. What do you want to say about it? I mean, I think my, my, the thing that I like, the conversation I want to have is like, just, you know, how do you make money? Um, I'm interested in like, it, the thing that I'm interested in kind of like a big picture way is like, what's perception versus reality? And like, you know, what are the things that like, you know, someone listening might be like, Oh really? Um, and, it, and I really, anything you want.
1: Yeah. I, I think, uh, I'm just thinking of a couple of random aspects. Like, um, I'll have people assume that because I am engaged in quote unquote important things or that I'm doing big things or whatever Mm -hmm. that, Oh, he must be so rich or he's making a lot of money Mm -hmm. or he's on a red carpet or he's in a movie. So he's making a lot of money. And it's like the reality of it is like, I'm like, I've been living with my parents, you know, and I'm, I uh, struggled to afford yeah. food and things like yeah. that. Like I've been the, the struggling artist, like, um, for most of my life. And, uh, it's, I think it just comes down to, you have to decide what motivates you. Mm-hmm. Granted, there's certain things we need, we need to be able to afford food. We need to be able to afford yeah. rent. Some of us have yeah. to support families. I don't mean to take away from that, oh, no. but my... My motivation has always been: I want to do things. I want to add the most value I can to this world. To the world, and yeah. as as maybe cheesy as that sounds, that's literally been my guiding my guiding point for yeah. every decision. And so I just I've just been following that, and it's been really hard financially a lot of times. And I'm I I don't think talking about our finances should be taboo. I, I think it should be so much more open. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of studies also suggest that that's healthy. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I don't mind talking about those things and it's been, um, important too, because I, it's made sure that my motivations remain pure for the things that I'm doing, particularly with like love loud, um, that I'm, I'm doing it because I honestly believe it's where I can add the most value at this point in my life. And, um, and so it's been like it's it's been really interesting to just keep using that as my guiding yeah uh, thing cuz it, it's really difficult at times but things do work out and and the most important thing is I've never I don't ever there's a couple times where it's been really hard but I I tend to not feel poor because I I'm getting so much value in life well, I'm getting I'm feeling fulfilled like we said before
0: you're like rich in relationships yeah um, I think that's something I also wish we would talk about this more of this idea of like success is not like linear. There's like there's like um, perceived success or or there's the success of like, who are your connections? And there's the success of like, who are your fans? Um, and then there's the success of what is in your bank account. Um, and. For creative professionals, I really think across mediums, those, you know, I'm sure we could add more categories, but rarely are they overlap overlapping. Um, and I, I'd love for us as like creative professionals to just be more open about like, what are the types of success that we are like motivated toward? And I don't think it's like you pick one and you leave the others, but maybe like you you fasten your cart to like one.
1: Oh, I no, I think that that's very important. And um, I will say that there are people who are very good at finding ways to monetize their life Yeah, and more power to them. I think that's incredible. I am not good at that. And I'm sure I could have learned to be far better at it, but I've just never cared. And, yeah. and I'm not saying that's the best way to do it because I know there's great ways yeah. to monetize your life and to you know, be adding value and doing good. I, I, I want to make sure that I, for people who want to do summer sales or or doing things like that, or people who want to be making money, I'm not saying that that is bad. Um, it's yeah, just not it's... my motivation. Yeah. And so that's, from my experience, it's not my motivation. But I, I would say that...
0: It's also possible that motivation kind of shifts. Oh, totally. You, no, that's very so... true.
1: And and I think we should... Oh, that's a whole other topic. So but I, I think we need like, to be very... Oh, we need to provide opportunity for people to learn and grow and change. Yeah. Um. We do not offer paths to redemption in our society very easily. We're very oh, quick man. to condemn and, and and sometimes worthy of condemning. But then we don't let that person change. And it's like, I agree with that. I look at who I was 10 years ago in high school and I'm like, Ooh, in a lot of ways I look at who I was yesterday in some aspects and it's like, but I'm not that person. I'm the person I am today. Yeah. And I hope to be judged on the person I am today. But in order to do that, I have to be judging people and, who they are today. Not I who they were. I agree with that so much. And thinking
0: about people's intentions and thinking about their context. And that's why like I'm so interested in these stories. Like I want to be having these conversations because I want people to have an opportunity to be like, yeah, you know, I'm motivated by this or or I'm motivated by that, or I used to be motivated by this. And maybe sometimes that motivation is really pure. Maybe sometimes that motivation is fear. Maybe sometimes that motivation is just like I don't know curiosity, um but I think from the outside, sometimes it looks like because we're creative professionals, we're really in control like we're really we're <laughs> like we're like carving this path um and and gosh, like, I don't think any of us feel that way
1: no, like so many of the times it's just like we're just floating down a river sometimes yeah. and it's more of like, we're in a raft Yeah. it's just kind of going where the and water something goes floats
0: by and you can reach it and you're yeah. like, I'll take, I'll grab that.
1: Yeah. So, so I think a lot of time life is that way. Um, probably more often than I'd like to admit. Um, but then the flip side to that coin is, um, that we should do a better job at telling our story. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The better we are at telling and showing who we are, the less we have to rely on others to assume who we are. Absolutely. And so I think we can do a better job of doing that in an honest way, not in a Instagram not in a filtered way. way. Yeah. yeah, not in a. Uh, I love Instagram. Nothing against that, but like we often try to filter our life and say, "Oh, I'm going to share this." I think we can be do a much better job of being honest about who we are, and honestly telling our stories, yeah. and then. Um, Then you, I I think when I've done that, I have found that those type of people get drawn to me too, and I find myself surrounded by other honest people. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, you, you put off a of um, you put off something that's trust trustworthy and something that's open. I think I like to believe I'm one of those people too. I think I think it maybe depends on the context. Uh, Sometimes I get like a little bit. I think I get scared sometimes. Um, are you cynical about anything in like the art, you know, is there, is there anything that you're like, Oh man, this has to change.
1: I get really cynical sometimes about the music industry. Yeah. Um,
0: I'd love to hear about that. I just,
1: I get, um, the invisible hands that are in the Mm. industry controlling Mm. certain aspects and deciding which artist gets, um, the spotlight in which artists gets shelved, um, which artist doesn't even get signed and gets tried to kind of be put away. Like that whole thing is really, um, kind of frustrating for me at times. I get a little cynical about it, but I also get optimistic about with social media, um, artists have the opportunity to tell their own story and to yeah. grow their audiences in their own way and find other ways of monetization, which I think is incredible. Like it's never been a better time to be an independent artist mm-hmm. as far as that goes. Um, but I, I, I also, I, <laughs> this might sound bad. I long for the days when, uh, a little more authentic music was the, was on the top 40. Yeah. Um, and nothing against... I, I love a good pop song. Yeah, I love me some great pop songs. I don't think it sounds songs.
0: bad. It's just like we're missing some variety.
1: We we are. And, and part of that comes down to um, that there are some writers out there in the industry who are very good. And so everyone wants them to write for them. Mm. And so we think a lot mm. of songs sound similar. It's because they were all written. We're
0: kind of only by hearing the same, a few voices. You're,
1: you're having the same... 20, probably less than 20 people who are writing the majority of what you're hearing. Yeah. Um, and yes, it's different voices singing the songs, yeah. but um, you're still, he- it's another person's writing. Yeah. And uh, so it kind of make th- makes things feel similar because they are yeah. similar. And yeah. it, it's always refreshing when you have an artist who comes along and maybe does something a little bit different. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, well, we love it. Like, it's yeah. like, we think like, you know, well, I say we, you know, the public maybe thinks we just want this one thing, but we totally don't just want one thing. I I was, I, I think, I can't remember if I said it before, but I think we're like starving for like authentic, I think we're starving for it.
1: Totally. I, I, I fully agree. And I, and I think one of the ways to solve that though is, um, the, I, I think the reason pop music has gotten so successful and, and put rock music's gone and a lot of genres are kind of just gone now. It's pretty much pop and a hip hop world, but it, I don't think we, I can be too harsh on pop. It's just because they're the best writers in the world right now, or happen to be pop writers are a lot of my favorite rock artists. Aren't very good songwriters anymore. Mm. And so those songs aren't going to go anywhere. And mm. so uh, a lot there's a lot of people in the rock genre who complain and ah uh, there's no space for rock music anymore. It's like, well become a better songwriter. Yeah, yeah. We get a become a better songwriter. Jazz has
0: a problem with that too. Sometimes I think there are some jazz people that are doing stuff that I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Um but I yeah, I feel like there's you know, clinging clinging on to like, you know, those protective layers um that I think we're kind of I don't know. It's like we either have all the layers or none. Totally. Um, do you do you ever get jealous?
1: Um, I get jealous of people who can sing. <laughs> <laughs> that was always my dream, and anyone who ever went to any of my concerts knows I'm not. A, I'm not the best singer, and um, I know that too. And I hope to continue to learn and yeah. whatnot. But I I get jealous of there's there's those people who can just they they have this. Born understanding of how their voice works, mm. and they know how to communicate what's in their brain to their vocal cords yeah. very well. And uh, I've always envied that. That's I would say that's one area mm. I get really jealous because I would love to be able to communicate yeah. in that medium more. But uh, I, I, I wouldn't trade. Yeah, I would. I don't. I can't think of a, a, a skill I have right that now that I would like, trade for yeah. it because I'm like I like kind of like who I am. Like I yeah, love who yeah. I am as a person. Yeah. So I don't think I'd really train anything, but that is one thing I'm always kind of envious. I'm like, oh, yeah. that you would be so sing. much fun. Well,
0: you know, you can learn it.
1: Oh, I, if you heard what I was before I tried to learn, it was even worse. So yeah. I, I, I know I do believe yeah. that anyone, I think almost everyone can learn enough to carry a tune.
0: Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, 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 I you're, students, you know that. Yeah. I've um, had students that start off like sincerely tone deaf who now are like, really evocative storytellers. But I always say like, I always tell people like my job as your voice teacher is to close the gap between the sounds you love and the sounds you make. That's Um, awesome. That's, that's like, I feel like that's like what my job is. Um, I just have a few more questions. What's going on. Um, if anything, you know, outside of love loud in like your, your, your film career. Um,
1: I've been, uh, so uh, love loud's taken over kind of my life and um in a great way um yeah. but i've also been feeling that itch to well how do i of, of course how do you i are. create in yeah. in in that medium again yeah. and i've done a few projects here or there and i've uh begun to explore how i can create in that way again with all of my new experiences mm-hmm. and my new knowledge that I, that i've gained and I mean, hopefully you and I are going to yeah. be able to create some cool content together. And then I, I'm
0: excited about it.
1: Yeah, we're going it, <laughs> to it, it's going to be good. And I, I hope to do I really enjoy music videos. I want to do I find joy in trying to tell a story in that medium. Mm. So I want to I want to be able to do some of that more. Um, but I've also become I mean, although I'm not creating as much anymore, I've become a much better student of film Hmm. and storytelling i um i i tried to pay attention to the way stories are told in movies i i a lot in tv shows now too i've gone back to some of my favorite shows and rewatched them and tried to learn why was this so good i think breaking bad was one that i I went back to and was like that show did
0: something like kind of groundbreaking
1: incredible like vince gilligan that he did an incredible job. I mean, the acting and the characters were all amazing, but I, I, I went back and rewatched that and tried to learn why it was so fascinating. And I'm re-watching Game of Thrones right now and trying to learn why they're so fascinating. And one thing that stood out to me is the importance of uh, characters, quality characters oh, yeah. that you can relate to. And, I, and I've tried to figure out why I can relate to such a like broad variety of these characters that I see myself in. Mm. And I think it's because some of the best written characters... Aren't black and white? Aren't oh, good absolutely. or evil? They're just they're the battle for good and evil happens within each character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that because I can relate to that. Don't a you ton. think that's,
0: that's that same thing though? You were saying before. I mean, you're you're looking for for soulmates in your life, and you're seeing those in the characters. I mean, I, I'm not surprised by that at all. Like you know, if you're willing to kind of see people in your real life as being brilliant and flawed then like of course you want to see characters that are compelling in that way
1: no i think that that's totally true i've become a much better uh, uh a much better boyfriend and romantic partner once i adopted that mindset of accepting mm-hmm. first off accepting myself that i have the good and bad i've always seen the light and the dark within myself mm-hmm. but then ex- ex- accepting that in in my partner and realizing that like Oh, they have good and bad too. And oh, yeah. and they're a character and I love them for their character, not just for the light. Yeah. And
0: Yeah, you can't mythologize people. Mm-mm. It does not go well. I, I I know that. I know that lesson well. Yeah. Um Okay, I, yeah, I think I mean, okay, so the podcast is called Artifice and I'm interested like I said, in perception versus reality, like what are the things that people would assume that would surprise them? Like, what is the story that you want to tell that no one's asking you for, or that, you know, that no one's projecting onto you. And so we've, we've kind of talked about money. We've talked about your skills. Um, is there anything you want to say that's kind of personal in terms of like, who am I Lance? And, who is the Lance that comes to work or is it the same guy or is it like a portion of the guy or, you know, do you have any thoughts about kind of that, um, how you're crafting kind of like yourself?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, that's a, that's an interesting thing because I, I'll be honest. I think that's been one of my biggest weaknesses as a person. I, I compartmentalize a lot. Mm -hmm. While at the same time, not compartmentalizing enough in certain areas. So I'll, I'll give too much of myself in the workspace. So my personal life, I don't have anything left to give. I
0: really, really relate to that.
1: But then at the same time, I've also compartmentalized my work self. So I keep it out of my personal life sometimes, but that means I don't have a lot left in that area because I've compartmentalized too much of myself over there.
0: Your boundaries um, get weird. Yes. And, totally and I don't have that.
1: them at certain times. I'm learning yeah. to create boundaries. Um, I'm learning to be a little more selfish with my uh, mental health to like try to like mm-hmm. save more of myself for myself. Yeah. Because if I can be healthier, I'm able to be better towards others.
0: What does that mean? Like what can you give me like an example? Like what are what are some things
1: I, I, uh, I, I think it's important to not tie my personal worth and my personal value to my work. Yeah. I think it's great to feel proud about things we do. Yeah. I, that That's very important. But to not tie my personal worth to it because it, we can very easily... I, I see people who um, confuse their self-worth with the number on their paycheck. Mm-hmm. Or they confuse... Or the number of... Followers. followers. or, or yeah, the number of followers or the number of people who go to their concert, they'll confuse yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And then it's no, there's not always a direct correlation there. And I think we need to be able to separate that. And I'm learning that the hard way. Um, but I think we kind of all have to learn that it's the hard so way. It's so hard. But I wish I would have been encouraged to learn that the hard way sooner. Mm-hmm. Um I might have been better off. But um yeah, I just I, I feel like that is so so important to learn to to, to to draw good boundaries yeah and to to maintain them because it i don't know if enough people are willing to be honest about that because they may not even see it in themselves that yeah. their boundaries are whack yeah you know yeah, yeah. and like it's really messing up in their 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 personal life is just flowing into their professional life and mm-hmm. it's messing that up or their professional life is spilling over into that or
0: or it's all one thing so much that like certain parts of who you are are like Drowning. Totally.
1: And, and honestly, that's, that's where I, I experienced that um, recently where I realized it was my whole existence was my work. Yeah. And
0: that one happens to me
1: that, yeah. I, I, I think a lot of people go through that, but I don't think enough people recognize it and then say, okay, what steps can I do to correct yeah. this? Because sometimes we think that we have to give a hundred percent of ourselves mm-hmm. Um, as
0: well and it's hard especially if you like to do that
1: Oh, I
0: I love it I I get the feeling that maybe we're similar in this way I feel like I love being open I love like being a person that like receives people's stories Um, and I think as a teacher that's like a lot of what I do and then I go like okay now here I'm going to reflect your story back at you and I'm going to try to you know help you see some new things in it but I find that if I if I start doing that too much, like if I'm the project manager and everything I'm doing, then like there are maybe parts of me that like need that attention or parts of me that are kind of carefree or funny or that sort, that sort of just get neglected until I'm almost like, who, where is that? Who, where do I find that thing? And I can like remember it. Like I went to this conference recently and it's kind of joking, like, I ran into some people that I knew in college and I, I was joking a little bit, but also not um, like, wow, it's really nice to like see some people that knew me before I was like tired all the time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's yes. Very relatable. Cause it
0: starts to just like, or if you're always showing up in your like, I'm the boss right now, even if you're like a real nice fun boss, if that's like always kind of the posture that you have to have, like where does like the floppy version of you live?
1: Yeah, I I found that I, I had to be turned on so much in my life, like, like I've had to be sure. on game game mode that I I didn't know how to turn off, and, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. think that that's important. And I, I'm not to say that when you turn on, you're not authentic anymore. Like of course, but we have different levels of professionalism. We have to be sure. But, um, I think determining where is the right time for all of that helps us be healthier and be better at it. Yeah. Because sometimes if you're not really good at that, then it just gets blurred and becomes, becomes mushy.
0: Have you had an experience where like you work with someone a lot and you kind of start to realize like, I need for this person to get to know like the, the loose lance. Yes. How do you do it? Uh, it's, I,
1: I can't say I've actually found much success in that. I got to say that's something I'm still learning. Yeah. Uh, to let, let people let see Let me know that. if you
0: figure it out. Um,
1: <laughs> I, I found that having conversations with someone that do not involve anything that I am working on professionally. mm mm-hmm. Is, it's very difficult because those are the things I like to I'm I mean yeah. everything I'm engaged in professional are things I want to do yeah so it can be very hard to, to get rid of that but I found as I do that I've just I've forced myself a few times yeah to just say okay anything I'm engaged in professionally is off topic like is yeah. off the table cannot be discussed and it's made it um, made me have conversations with some people where we talk about things that we never would have gotten to mm. because we would have been entrenched talking about this creative project I've got going or this yeah. thing and like kind of putting those aside and being like, let's talk about, um, a story from your past. And we, we, like, yeah. I, we've gone down some crazy, crazy paths yeah. where we're talking about toys from our childhood yeah, yeah, yeah. or we're talking about funny commercials or, um, favorite types of breakfast cereal, which might seem silly, yeah. but it's in having conversations like that with people that aren't about work yeah. that you get to see the way someone is when it's not about work.
0: I imagine it helps you to kind of like remember who you are when you're not working. Mm -hmm. I really struggle with that sometimes. Like sometimes I just think like, is that, is that other, is that Emily still in there? (laughs) And like you said, it's not like, it's not like the Emily that shows up is not authentic. It's just, filtered. You know, or it's like mm-hmm. certain things about me that like I need to bring to the table. But yeah, I'm, I'm I'm making that like I I'm 30. I turned 30 in April, so I guess I'm like all 31. But um I I'm, th- I'm I'm thinking this is a project for my 30s. Like just how do we integrate?
1: Well, I'm I'm 30 in June, so I think I need to make it a project for my yeah. 30s too.
0: <laughs> well, we can work on it together. Okay, I just have one last question, which yeah. is kind of a fun one. What's your dream collaboration? Oh it can be as dramatic as you want. It can involve people who are no longer living. It can be multimedia. I mean, it probably should be. Wow. Um, but um, yeah, what, what's your dream collaboration? Whew. Yeah. I've never thought about
1: that. Um, can I have multiple answers? Sure.
0: Say whatever you want.
1: I would love to make a Nike shoe.
0: Okay. I was not expecting that. I Tell would me more. love
1: to make a Nike. I love shoes. Um, I love fashion in general, but, um, I feel like, or I, I also, I, Adidas would also be up there, but I would love to make a shoe. That would be so fun for me. I, I don't know even the, I try to sketch shoes. Yeah. They are terrible. And I own a lot of shoes. Like, I feel like I'm pretty Yeah. in with sneaker culture. I can't draw them. And so it's like really interesting. Yeah. I've always wanted to be like, okay, I want to make a shoe. You so that'd be one
0: Nike thing. Nike to be a sponsor of Love Loud. I mean. And then for you to make a Love Loud shoe. That's,
1: I mean. There, there are things in the pipeline I can, that, you know, might, might lend to something like that eventually. I but would
0: buy that, a Love Loud shoe.
1: I, I should make a Love Loud shoe. Do it. All right, Converse, let's do something. Okay. <laughs> but, uh. And I then
0: w- who, and then who wears those shoes in their music video that you're directing? Oh. I'm projecting onto your collaborative fantasy. I,
1: I'm a, I'm a sucker for, uh, I really, really like Jared Leto. Um. Cool. And 30 Seconds to Mars, they've kind of been my guilty pleasure for like a decade and a half. Um, it's always a little bit too dramatic, maybe a little too self-important. And mm-hmm. I kind of like, like the the, the person who wears sunglasses inside, yeah. it kind of, sometimes the songs remind me of that, but it's kind of fun to be that yeah. persona sometimes. But yeah, I would say a, a 30 Seconds to Mars music video or Bruno Mars. Mm-hmm. Bruno Mars would be sweet. Yeah. I'm taller than Bruno Mars. How crazy is that? I'm yeah, pretty could, short, but I'm t- even taller than Bruno Mars.
0: Um, sometimes I think about the people that I'm taller than. That's just a thing that I mean, maybe you think about. If you're occasionally.
1: Not occasionally. It's like, I wonder like who else sees the world from my perspective?
0: Yeah. Well, I I was just talking about this with another short friend recently um, that if I ever am talking to like a, another woman and I can see like the top of her head, I feel like, enormous. Totally. I feel like a giant person.
1: Cause it's not something we get to see very often. Yeah. It's like, Oh, like <laughs> I think about all my friends, this is what they see. Yeah. I look in the mirror and I assume that that's what everyone else sees. Yeah. But in reality, everyone else is seeing my hair yeah. on the top. Yeah. They're not like looking at me totally. in the face. And so it's like kind of a funny thing to consider that like what perception is reality. Yeah. I think the world is what my perspective, and you can get yeah, as deep yeah, with yeah. that as you want, but the people around me, theirs is very different. I am yeah. to them. I am different than who I am to me.
0: I, know. I know. Oh my gosh. It's so weird.
1: Kind of, it gets, gets a little deep there, but
0: where can we follow you on Instagram and websites Yay. and what are What are your things?
1: Um, my Instagram and my Twitter is Lance the pants. 17. Great. One seven. Um, yeah, pretty I have a Seventeen there. in mind too really it's we a, talked about this before. yeah 17 it's, it's, it's the a number. good number It's the number um and also i'd say follow love loud fest on twitter and uh and instagram to we'll, we'll be announcing the next love loud festival here pretty soon great and uh, you also can go to loveloudfest.com to see things there great and that's pretty much my life so that's
0: awesome <laughs> well we're looking for for those shoes Yes, now. we'll make
1: shoes. We will make okay. shoes. Thank you, <laughs> Thanks, Emily.
0: Thanks, Lance. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our music is by Jerem Hansen and artwork by Savannah Kiniston. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.